Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for January 11th, 2024. Inflation is still a long way from trend. CPI surprised to the upside in December, and core inflation continues to come in at a solid clip due to rising services costs. This creates a quandary for the Fed as it looks to lower interest rates at some point this year. How long until we see consumer inflation return to its pre-pandemic trends? This is Brian Kirk, and with me today to discuss the December CPI report and our outlook for inflation this year are Nationwide's chief economist, Kathy Bostancic, and senior economist, Ben Ayers. Kathy, I know you've had some time to look at the CPI data that was just released today. It looks like we continue to see mixed trends for prices, with some areas of improvement, but lingering concerns elsewhere. What were your main takeaways from December's inflation data? Well, thanks, Brian. Yes, we, uh, as you said, saw a surprise to headline inflation for the month of December. It rose three-tenths month over month. And what that did was push the annual rate to 3.4, and it had been 3.1 in November. And then prior to that, we were essentially seeing a nice downward trend in, in the annual pace. And that reversal, you know, speaks to a few things. One, that it, even though we think inflation will continue to trend lower, it can be bumpy along the way. As you indicated, there are some mixed you know, factors behind and underneath the inflation reading. So that's going to continue to work its way through to the headline readings. Now, the core CPI, which excludes food and energy, tends to be viewed as a better measure of where future inflation will go. And even there, it was up a solid three-tenths. However, the annual rate was better in in that the direction moved down from 4% to 3.9%. Now, 3.9% is still high relative to the Fed's 2% inflation target, but the encouraging news is kind of moving in the right direction. But it's not moving as quickly as we think the markets were expecting. And that's important because the markets have kind of raced ahead and priced in very high odds, uh, over 50% odds that will get a rate cut from the Federal Reserve in March. Now, we don't think that the Fed is going to start until, you know, at the earliest May. And, and if we're right, you know, there's some corrections that need to take place in the bond market, and that will spill over to the equity market. In fact, we heard from one of the leading Fed officials on the Federal Open Market Committee, Loretta Mester, and she indicated that very plainly said, you know, March is too early to consider a rate cut. We also have heard similar language from another Fed official, John Williams, who's the president of the New York Federal Reserve, also indicating that later in spring or in the summer is more likely. Now, what's happening um, when you look at the details is that shelter prices continue to rise at a very rapid clip. In fact, shelter prices alone accounted for more than half the um, headline increase. And then when you look at the core CPI, it accounted for two-thirds of the increase. They were up half a percent on the month and from a year ago are up 6.2%. What we've seen is just a gradual trending lower in shelter prices. And the reason it's only gradual is because rental inflation still remains quite stubborn and and buoyant. Now, 
we do think we're going to continue to see, you know, lower rental inflation and because we don't think we're going to stall out. I think today's number does raise some concerns among, um, you know, viewers and, and, and market participants that when we saw this reacceleration in the headline inflation, like, oh, well, maybe this improvement is going to either stall or, or really be much harder to come by. And what we see, particularly with shelter costs, that new rental agreements, the prices are you know, lower, or at least the price increases are lower. And that eventually will feed through to consumer price index data. The CPI data is really based on rents that are existing plus the new rents. And, and the existing rents are at, you know, increased at a higher pace. But eventually, the slower rental inflation should feed through. So that's quite encouraging. And even away from rental inflation, we think that there'll be other categories where we'll start to see slower price gains. But two categories it's worth mentioning where there really is quite a bit of stickiness is in motor vehicle insurance costs and also medical care service prices. Now, motor vehicle insurance costs have, have lagged, which is typical. They lag behind the increases we saw in used car prices and and motor vehicle repair costs. So they're just kind of catching up. So there's still probably a strong upward pressure that we could see there in the near term. Where we've also seen pressure is in medical care uh, service prices. Now, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, who compiles the CPI, revised their calculation for medical care services. And it's interesting Ever since that revision, we've seen materially higher increases, particularly for hospital services, hospital care. Previously, that was actually one of the components that was kind of dragging inflation lower. So that's another reason that core service inflation is going to be a bit stickier. We also look at the Fed's favored measure, so core services excluding rent. As I said, new rent inflation data suggests that should slow. So the Fed Reserve has said, well, let's look at you know, the core services excluding rent, the super core. And even there, again, it was rather sticky. It was up four-tenths and year-in-year year held at 4%, which is much higher than what the Federal Reserve would like to see. On the good side, core goods inflation was flat in the month. That is good, even though used car, new car prices were up on the month. And year-in-year, year, it's essentially flat. So what we've seen is all the inflation, goods inflation we saw that was related to the pandemic, that has essentially gone away. But again, the, the the sticky part is in the service sector. Thank you, Kathy. So let's go to Ben now. So Ben, we just heard from Kathy that services inflation remains the stickiest part of the inflation story. So can this be tied back to the labor market? And if so, what do the recent wage trends tell us about inflation in the new year? Yeah, thanks, Brian. You know, I think Kathy did a great job of laying out where we sit with inflation right now. And, you know, she talked a lot about shelter and that's a key component and continues to add. But the other side of the services coin is the labor market. And much of what we're seeing as far as rising costs, whether it's for auto repairs, whether it's for financial help, whether it's for medical care, ties back to what's still a very tight labor market. And in many ways, 
good news for hiring is actually bad news for inflation. We saw that a little bit with the December data that we had pretty good pace of, of job growth. And, but unfortunately, that came with some potentially higher costs on the services side of things. And while hiring has slowed, it's slowed a little bit, but it's still very solid, much stronger than we expected when we were forecasting out six months ago, 12 months ago. The market for labor remains tight, and there's still a measurable imbalance between the supply and the demand of workers in the market. You know, you look at the December data in particular, the unemployment rate came in at 3.7%. Again, that's a little bit higher than the 3.4% low that we had last year, but still very low from a longer historical perspective. As of November, there were still 1.4 job openings per unemployed worker. Again, that's down from the over two that we were over the course of the pandemic, but we really want to see that more like one-to-one or even below that from a perspective of how easy is it for firms to be able to find workers. So that means the workers still have the upper hand in many industries, and that continues to drive up wages. And that's really the crux point when you're talking about the cost for labor and then how these things bleed into the inflation figures that we look at from the services side. Average hourly earnings were up 4.1% year over year in December. And that's cooler again than what it was previously in the pandemic. But, you know, long-term average is more like three to three and a half percent. So we're certainly running still above that and continuing to add more pressure on service costs. You look at other wage measures show pretty similar strength. The wages and salaries component within the employment cost index was up 4.6% annually as of the third quarter. The Atlanta Fed's wage growth tracker still sits about 5.2%. As of November. So, really, none of these readings, whether you look at average hourly earnings, employment cost index, um, none of these readings are consistent with inflation being on track to return to 2% anytime soon. And that's really the biggest concern for us and likely for the Fed as they look out is try to see when are we going to get back to more normal pricing trends. And it's that sticky nature of the services component of that that really is the big concerning point. Uh, Kathy already mentioned the super core inflation reading that was still running at 4% in December. I think that provides a really good overall gauge of where the momentum for service costs is across the economy. You know, diving a little deeper into that, transportation services continues to be the largest component adding to super core inflation. Kathy mentioned this already with higher costs for auto repairs and for motor vehicle insurance, but it's much broader than that. You look at medical care service costs. Again, Kathy laid this out pretty well. Jumped recently. We've seen prices for veterinary care, whether it's financial services, even if you're getting Gardening and lawn care, that's well up in excess of normal. So this data indicate that I think the widespread upward pressure on service costs is really across the entire economy. And there's still many sectors that are in need of additional workers. And again, that just puts more upward pressure on these service costs and likely means that even though we are seeing some fading of these trends, it's going to linger with us over much of 2024. It will continue to be a thorn in the side of the Fed as it tries to make some policy decisions at upcoming meetings. Do we shift the user policy? When do we make that determination? And how much do we start to lower rates? Well, thanks, Ben. Let's continue that look ahead to 2024 then. So what is your outlook for both overall and core CPI inflation over 2024? And could we get close to the Fed's 2% target? Yeah, as Kathy mentioned earlier, the the overall CPI is running a little bit above 3% at the end of 2023. 
we see the core CPI measure, which takes out again food and energy components, was about four percent. Um, so you know improvements, obviously, from where we started 2023, but still pretty far away from that two to two and a half percent range where the Fed would like this to be. We do expect each of these measures to decline incrementally over the year ahead, uh, especially as we expect to see some slower economic growth, slower overall consumer spending. Just that drop in demand overall should help to help have these prices start to cool. I think by the overall CPI by the end of the year will drop about 3%, maybe a little bit lower than that. I think same thing for the core CPI, a little bit farther to drop. I think it'll go from about 4% again at the beginning of the year here down to about 3% by the end of the year. So still not back to trend for both of these, still sitting at 3% or a little bit lower, but certainly much more in line with normal than what we've seen over the past couple of years. Be very important to point out here, though, a key assumption in these estimates that we have is that the labor market and services inflation retreats from its current trends. And, and as we've laid out already, I don't think that's a guarantee. Um, we, you know, average hourly earnings that came down a lot from where it was, but it's kind of flattened off at 4%. If it stays there, particularly over the first half of this year, that still presents some upside risk to the estimates that I just laid out. I think especially over the first half of the year, you know, job growth could remain resilient in the new year, just as we saw over the second half of 2023. So again, unfortunately, I think most of the risk is more to the upside of these estimates than the downside. And that could keep overall and core inflation above 3% throughout 2024 and sitting down to three or, or just below that, as we expect at the current estimates right now. And of course, there's always the risk of an external shock, you know, particularly to energy prices or supply chains. We've been through that a lot over the past couple of years. You know, right now we're keeping a very close eye on the geopolitics in the Middle East region. What, you know, unfortunately, could that disrupt oil production? Could we see a, a renewed spike in energy costs that, you know, unfortunately those tend to, you know, flow into a lot of other categories that we look at from a, a price standpoint as well. And just as we saw over the pandemic, you know, global supply chains can be disrupted as well. And does that re cause a renewed upward push in goods prices, which have really now finally settled at a low level and getting back to more normal trends? You know, do we see a shock, unfortunately, there as well? So these are all mainly upside risks when I look out at the overall estimates that we see for inflation. I do think there are some downside risks, though mainly centered around restrictive monetary policy that we have right now. The Fed continues to keep that in place. Do we finally start to see a meaningful drag on activity? And does that mean maybe inflation would return to trend sooner than we expect? I, you know, it's still definitely an option. I think it's a, a lower percentage option, but it's certainly something that could potentially happen as we look out over the next year. So maybe instead of getting down to 3% or just below, maybe by the end of the year we are at 2.5% or even down to 2%. Um, that's certainly an option as we look out over the forecasting. But I still think, again, the risks are more balanced towards the upside than the downside right now. Uh, finally, to your reference to the question of when do we get back to 2% inflation target that the Fed has, I have to point out that you know, the Fed uses a different price indices than the CPI that we've been talking about so far and that we talked about in our forecast. They use the PCE price indices as its benchmark, particularly the core PCE price index. Um, PCE inflation tends to run a little bit slower than the CPI since it's a broader measurement of prices across the economy. So if we're expecting 2.8% for maybe the overall CPI at the end of the year, that implies that overall PCE would be around you know, maybe 2.5% at the end of the year. Again, that's still above the Fed's target. It means that we wouldn't really be closing in on that 2% goal until sometime in 2025, more likely later 2025. But again, moving in the right direction, just a, a bit of a slower pace to get to that point, I think, from here. Well, thank you, Ben. Let's 
bring Kathy back into this conversation. So, Kathy, Ben's forecast suggests that inflation measures could remain elevated even into 2025. And we know that the Fed is really looking for further signs of slower inflation. And earlier in this podcast, you mentioned how inflation trends could impact the rate cuts. Can you elaborate more about that, especially with the market pricing and rate cuts in just a few months from now? Yeah, thanks, Brian. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the market's expectations, they've gotten way ahead of themselves. You know, even at one point about a month ago, so ago, uh, was expecting some odds of a January rate cut. You know, clearly today's data show that you know you could have some bumps on the road, and Fed officials have told us that they want to be very confident uh, before they they reduce interest rates that we are indeed eventually going to achieve the 2% inflation reading. I think the confidence has increased and it should because overall, despite this morning's numbers, overall, we, we are seeing disinflationary trends. It's just been very slow going. But it is encouraging that the core CPI number you know, dip below 4%, even if it's very slow and gradual improvement. We think probably by May or June, the Fed will be able to start cutting rates. But in this easing cycle, contrary to previous uh, easing um, uh, cycles, th- they're going to be you know slower in, in cutting rates. The reason is because inflation is still remaining sticky, especially in the service side. And as Ben pointed out, there is some upside potential even in the goods sector. You know, we have the Houthis causing trouble in in the Red Sea with trade and disrupting trade flows. Um, shipping costs have reportedly doubled in some areas. That could put some upper pressure on on goods prices here in the U.S. And yeah, if there's you know a furthering uh, or broadening out of of tensions um, between in the Middle East between Israel and Hamas. That could put, you know, renewed upper pressure on energy prices, oil prices, and that'll feed through to gasoline. So there are upside risks there. And as Ben pointed out, while I don't believe that wage growth and the strong wage growth caused the the higher inflation, I do think it could be a barrier to lowering it very quickly. Just the reason being that if consumers have more spending wherewithal, that gives the companies the uh, incentive to try to keep pushing prices higher. So where we stand for the Fed, we, we think, let's say they start in May, but very gradual, essentially 25 basis points or so per meeting. And then they end up still with a Fed funds rate that's between four and four and a quarter by the year end. So it's a nice, you know, meaningful cut in rates, but still over 4% where probably the you know neutral Fed funds rate is two and a half. So you could see that while we're a long way away from inflation target, we're also a long way from what would be the long run neutral Fed funds rate, and that that makes sense. Um, you know the Fed is going to be following inflation as they decide how to adjust interest rates. Now that said, things are a little more balanced for them because we've seen some nice improvement in inflation. They can also now worry a little bit more about employment growth. Um, what they would like to avoid and is a real sharp rise in unemployment rate or a recession. We still think there's a chance uh, for a mild recession, but what the Fed, of course, is aiming for is that soft landing. So they're going to weigh that as well, but there's certainly still going to be 
most of the emphasis, you know, placed on inflation. Thank you, Kathy. And thank you, Ben. Thank you both for a great conversation on where inflation ended in 2023. Join us again for our next episode to see where real GDP closed the year also. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can receive notifications for each new episode. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide Inn and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2024, Nationwide.